Are you looking for ways to attract and retain private pay clients? Thryzer is a payment platform for therapists built to help clients automatically tap into their out-of-network benefits and save on therapy up front. Check out our special link, join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist, and use the code modern therapists to activate $2,500 in free payments with Thryzer. Therapy Notes, the number one trusted EHR among mental health professionals, just keeps getting better and better. With legendary customer support 24 hours a day, seven days a week, they're giving you all the tools you need to succeed, whether you're a solo clinician or a group practice. Try them free for two months using promo code MODERN today. You're listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide, where therapists live, breathe, and practice as human beings. To support you as a whole person and a therapist, here are your hosts, Kurt Widhelm and Katie Vernoy. Welcome back to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy, and today we're joined by Marquita Johnson. She's a licensed professional counselor and millennial dating coach based in Atlanta, Georgia. And I think that really part of this is that I haven't been practicing long enough to have ever seen like a generation be a focus of therapeutic change or a, a thing that therapists need to change around. So here to talk about millennials is Marquita Johnson. Thank you so much, Katie and Kurt, for having me. I'm excited. We're so excited to have you here. I loved that you were part of our conference in 2018 and just rocked it. Had an awesome talk about millennials and telehealth and just uh, we wanted to dig in further and talk with you more because I love what you're doing. So what are you doing? Tell us what you're doing and what you're putting out in the world. Absolutely. So um, it's kind of a thing that I started thinking about like way before telehealth was even on the horizon of most people's mind. Like this was before like iPads and, you know, all of that kind of came about. So about eight years ago, I got into the telehealth just because I felt like, oh, this is something new and interesting, but I had no idea that I would actually be utilizing it. And a part of my practice, this is a great portion of what I do. And who knew that I was going to work with millennials and kind of specialize in that. But just technology is here and it's here to stay. And I just felt like as therapists and social workers and those in the helping professions, we weren't quite utilizing the technology to our advantage. It, we, we didn't leverage it. And we were leaving out a key part, especially in working with uh, millennials. So that led me to tailor my practice here in Atlanta to specialize in working with millennials, um, working with them specifically on relationship issues. So surrounding dating, relationships, it's complicated, all of that good stuff because social media is a platform that they utilize to get help for relationships. Like they're out on their phones, on their tablets and updating their statuses. Like they're very much connected to technology and I just felt like we need to explore that more. As therapists, we need to add all the tools in our toolbox so that we can be effective and meet our clients where they are. So I'm sure that this means that some of your sessions are really about making sure that their their partners or their friends are keeping up their Snapchat streaks and what it means when those disappear. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it, it's some interesting things that come out of that, like with the cyber stalking and the obsessive compulsions, like things that we wouldn't 
quite necessarily attribute to uh, social media or counseling and bring in the therapy room, but it's some cool tricks and techniques and tips that you can actually utilize technology within therapy and for it to be highly effective because millennials are connected to their phones. Like they see themselves an extension of their technology. So they don't see themselves without it. And we want to make sure that we are paying attention to that. I love that you've decided that that's, you're going to meet them in the technology that's already where they're having their relationships, where they're doing the things that, you know, we need to talk about. Because if we're not accessing the technology, we're not there with them. You know, I know for me and my in, you know, in-person sessions, they may show me a text or, or, you know, talk about their fake Instagram account or Finsta and, you know, kind of what they're putting out there, but to actually be in a medium where you're, you're engaging in the technology that just seems like it's just brilliant. And you started this eight years ago. I mean, way ahead of the curve. Like you're amazing. This would have been around the time that, okay, maybe if it's not Snapchat streaks, it's who's in their top eight on MySpace, right? Right, right, (laughs) right. It was like before, well, Facebook has been around a while now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, Facebook, Instagram now, Twitter, like it just keeps going. The beat keeps going. It's just, it's an amazing thing when it, Connects. So um, a great portion of what I do with clients is helping them to remove barriers to access services, too. So here in Atlanta, we have a traffic issue, um, mm-hmm. which while I was visiting L.A., I figured out you all have similar issues. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, know, we, have not, we know nothing about what you're talking about. Right. And so, <laughs> you know, for a lot of people, that's discouraging, you know. In the city of Atlanta, we have a high concentration of counselors, therapists, helping professionals like located in the city, but in the outskirts, uh, not so much so. And especially if you have a disorder or diagnosis that everyone can't treat, like a specialist needs to treat, like an eating disorder or um, a specific personality disorder or autism on the spectrum, you need someone that specializes in that or a play therapist. So having that technology can often, you know, be the key that unlocks the door for many people that would not otherwise have access to those services. Or they have to sit in traffic for an hour and a half, Mm -hmm. two hours, and that's just not feasible for a lot of people. And we want to remove any type of barriers regarding that. Yeah, I had a client that was coming into my office. It was for groups. So it was a little bit harder to to for me to make that transition online. And she was sitting in traffic for 45 minutes, an hour, sometimes an hour and a half, and was getting so triggered on the way. And so she just couldn't continue anymore because it was too much anxiety, too much going on. And so being able to access, you know, kind of access therapy by technology seems really important. I mean, it it just it's it's so obvious, but I think a lot of therapists, you know, kind of push back on it because we're worried that we're going to miss stuff. Like we're not going to be able to read our clients the same way, or we're not going to be able to catch the things. What are the differences there? Like, how do you, how do you use the technology to do all of the things that a therapist theoretically can do in the room? Right. Uh, Of course, it's really ensuring that it's a good fit for the client. You know, some diagnosis, some clients, technology, telehealth is not a good fit for them. So you do want to assess that and ensure that it's actually a good fit for the client. You want to talk with them about removing distractions and things like that from 
their environment while they're on, just as if they were in the office. And I even have to tell myself and remind myself, look at the camera and not the screen. Because <laughs> it's just like so automatic to be drawn in. Um, and so I usually go over with the client about some of the differences, remembering to take a pause after you say something, just sometimes due to the lag in technology and what um, is being communicated or conveyed, ensuring that you have your technology tested prior to the session and explain any possibility of technological difficulties because they happen and it can be frustrating to clients. So just ensuring that they're aware of all of those things. But as a therapist, it's relying on the things that we already do so well. So no matter if the person is in the room or outside of the room, we have the power of connection and it's a gift that we've been given. And I found that if I'm not focusing on like, oh, this is the computer and this is that, like I'm really engaged and drawn into developing that therapeutic rapport, that therapeutic relationship before long, I don't even realize that I am not in the same room as them. And the clients don't either. Um, Most of my clients, they love it. They still prefer face-to-face now over even millennials. They still prefer the face-to-face, but in the event that the face-to-face is not possible, the telehealth is just as good as the face-to-face and just as effective as the face-to-face. So I think for a lot of professionals, really just letting go of what we're used to (laughs) modality. I mean, because we all get comfortable in the things that we're Mm -hmm. used to. It's our comfort area, our comfort zone, but thinking about how many more people we can reach and how effective we can be and doing so with leveraging technology. Can you talk a little bit more about making that transition from the way that a therapist might normally work face-to-face and kind of a theoretical orientation and applying that to a telehealth platform? Because there's a lot of things that go into reading body language that Absolutely. if all I'm seeing is a, a client from the neck up that I'm not seeing what they're doing with their body and how you might account for that. Absolutely. It's actually interesting because I worked on the phones as a crisis counselor for four and a half years. And I thought, this is not going to go well. Like, <laughs> I have no idea. Like, I not only can I not see the part, like, I, I can only hear them. Like, yeah. what is going to happen? You know, but what I did was I relied on the skills, you know, that we learned and helping skills and learning about how to connect with individuals. So helping skills 1.0, 2.0, you know, those attending, active listening, listening to tone and pitch, listening to what someone says, but also what they're not saying. We're really good at that. You know, we can tell when there's holes in a story. And so I became really sensitive, I guess, and aware of that while working um, in an environment where I had to use the tools that I had. And <laughs> as therapists, we can adapt to that. So I think a lot of times is being able to adapt and understand that, yes, there will be some limitations because you can't see the lower half or lower extremities of the person, but you do still have a great deal of information to go off of and being able to leverage those tools that you have and really tap into that as the professional have been very beneficial. So listening to their tone, listening to pitch, looking at their facial expressions and how they're using their nonverbals 
as you all are going throughout the session. And I think, again, ensuring that you are still maintaining eye contact is very much important. So remembering to look into the camera, remember do your attending, the nodding, the mm-hmm, you know, so all of those things. And for me, it's a natural transition. I don't know, maybe I was just meant for this, <laughs> but it was, a, it was a natural transition. Like once I got in tune with being in the presence of the client, not physically, but being able to connect with their presence and being in that moment, the here and now, I found that the rest of it kind of just dropped off. But having a, a environment free of distractions would be the number one and also ensuring that you have a good internet connection and the platform is secure. So taking into account HIPAA and mm. making sure that that is extremely important, that you're not just Skyping it up and FaceTiming <laughs> and doing all that kind of stuff because you want to yeah. ensure that your um, client's information is being protected and that they feel free in that environment to express themselves because I've had some difficult conversations with clients over the telehealth and it didn't lose its value because they weren't right there in the room with me and I thought wow that's pretty powerful. Thryzer is a payment platform designed for out-of-network therapy. As a therapist, you would use Thryzer to charge clients for sessions and collect your full rate up front. From the client's perspective, Thryzer links to their health plan, so insurance claims are automatically submitted for them upon every charge. From there, Thryzer manages the claims end-to-end so that your clients don't have to worry about manually submitting super bills or getting on calls with insurance. The best part? Thryzer allows clients to only pay their co-insurance portion for sessions, while Thryzer covers the rest of your fee and waits for reimbursement on their behalf. They also offer you an instant benefits calculator for free, allowing you to provide upfront transparency to prospective clients on their out-of-network coverage. Therapists only pay a standard 3% credit card processing fee per session with no additional fees. Visit join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist to get started and use our promo code modern therapists to receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. I actually found sometimes it feels a little bit more intimate, even because you're closer, you're actually closer to their face, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got kind of a big therapy room. And so having them kind of across the room versus like seeing their face super close, that was, that was adjustment for me as well. But I I had a question about the looking in the camera because I've heard that before. And Mm -hmm. clearly, like right now, I'm not looking in the camera. I'm looking at your face and it's like way (laughs) over to the side and and all of that. And so when I do that, Right, it's more impactful for you. Yeah, yeah. I just looked in the camera. Right, you know, not the three of us. Anyway, so I find that if I look in the camera, I can be very direct and think about what I'm saying, but I don't see my clients. Depending on the screen I'm using, if it's big, I try to put like the the window as close to the camera as I can. But I find that it's hard to actually look at them. And, you know, like get those things and look in the, like, if I'm looking in the camera, I'm not looking at them. If I'm looking right. at them, then I'm looking, I'm like, I look like I'm looking down. Thank you. So, so how do you do that? Cause that, that feels hard to me. <laughs> it, it does. Um, I usually explain to clients also, I, I still jot down notes and things. So occasionally I will look down because 
and I jot notes in sessions. So some people are, you know, they frown on that, but I'm like, okay, (laughs) I want to ensure that whatever is working is working for you, but that you inform your clients of what you're doing. So they don't think, oh, they're just, you know, looking at their phone or they're not paying Mm -hmm. attention to me. So sometimes it's important to toggle back through looking at the camera, but having some intentionality about toggling, you know, um, between looking at the camera. But even in the session, we do that. Like we look not directly into the client's eyes. You may look like right above their head and right next to them and right above the window. So you're not constantly, you know, making, because that makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable when you're just like, <laughs> you know, in their right. It's like, okay, what what's going on with my therapist? She's not blinking. Um, so. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that is important to note, but ensuring that it's a good fit for the client, too. Like I tell any client, if this doesn't feel comfortable to you, then we can explore additional options, something that's going to be better for you. If that's seeking out a therapist that's closer in proximity to Mm -hmm. you, that would be a better fit. But ensuring the diagnosis is matched with the treatment also. Kurt had asked about different theories that you can utilize regarding um, therapy. So a a technique that I have that helps with bringing like technology into the therapy room, because it doesn't always have to be telehealth, like doing the distant counseling. It could be bringing technology actually into therapy, Mm -hmm. like how to integrate using apps and using um, homework and links and YouTube videos and techniques and actually adding them into your therapy. So I do a little technique with Gestalt that I absolutely love. And I stumbled upon this just by happenstance. It was one of those things that gave me therapeutic chills, as I'll call it, in the room, because I really came up with it on the spot. I was trying to figure out how to get this person to connect. So I did the empty chair technique, but I did it utilizing the cell phone. So I replaced the chair with the cell phone and allowed the person to have a conversation with their cell phone, a picture of the person they were having a conflict with, or a picture of the person that they needed to have a conversation with Mm -hmm. struggled to connect with them due to whatever reason. And I found that was highly effective. I mean, the emotion that was triggered and they were emoting and Afterwards, they felt really confident in having that conversation with the individual afterward because they were able to process in session with me real time. And it was just, I mean, I was there. I was amazed. I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah. What are some of the the limitations I'm bringing this technology in? Because I'm, I'm thinking of a session that I had somewhat recently where it was supposed to be a family session one of the parents got stuck in traffic. And so I'm sitting there with a parent and two teenagers and a cell phone on, on speaker. And it was, <laughs> it, and I was just sitting there and I'm like, this is the worst possible way to do family therapy is to have right. somebody who's, who's not here. So I'm wondering if there's other things that are popping up that people aren't necessarily considering. That is an excellent, excellent example of like when it goes left. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I would say play therapy would probably also not be the best for telehealth in that a lot of play therapists may do observation and things like that, but actually needing the client in the room is important and very much impactful to see how the dynamics of that parent-child relationship, that interaction, even couples counseling, that has been 
an issue I know for myself too is um, the screen just not being big enough to see both people. <laughs> so it's like half, 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 you know, half of this person, half of that. And I'm like, this, yeah, this isn't working. And so just being aware of those type of dynamics to where it's important when you see the interaction of individuals, such as in family counseling and couples counseling and play therapy, to where you probably, those would be situations that telehealth would probably not be the best in crisis situations um, that can also be limiting um, when you're not aware of that environment where the person is in, what they have access to, what type of resources are available and who's in the home with them, you know, um, to where individuals may be listening into sessions or recording sessions, you know, that's also another concern. Like if the client may be recording the session and you're not aware of it, so I think those could potentially be some possible disadvantages where it feels very disconnected and just disjointed as opposed to feeling uh, connected and kind of a ease into it. I think that makes a lot of sense. And I think some of those things potentially could be rectified when there's more advances in technology, like the the small screen, you know, the screen not being big enough for couples counseling right. or, you know, those right. kinds of things. I can see that moving forward, but I think there are definitely times when in person, like play therapy seems like an obvious one, but maybe, maybe I'll be surprised in, in 15 right. that they've got, you know, like amazing play therapy that's happening online. But, but I think it, it's something that, you know, there's, there's definitely different types of practices that happen, you know, because of who you're working with. But I mean, with your niche, the the millennials, this is this is a pretty obvious one. It sounds like right. you have both in person and online counseling, so you you're marketing to both. And and so I'm just curious, like, what are the differences that you find in marketing an online counseling practice versus an in person counseling practice? You know, I think it depends on the client that you're marketing to. Most of my therapy occurs a great deal of it still in office, and okay. my clients prefer that. I use a lot of it as a supplement and also regarding convenience Mm -hmm. scheduling a lot of individuals that may work in entertainment, which is also a high population here in Atlanta and their schedules just don't, you know, correlate with a a nine to five, you know, and a lot of therapists don't work on the weekends. I'm one therapist that does, but it offers that flexibility for my clients and the Mm -hmm. fact that I'm available to do telehealth probably on a Saturday or Sunday, whereas in coming into the office in Atlanta and commuting is not necessarily um, an option. And it helps me kind of hone in on continuing to care for myself as a therapist, which I think is important to where next year I'm actually taking half of my practice and doing half of my practice online only. Um, So I will make that kind of full transition in that I'm just seeing a a higher need for it. But as a therapist, having connections in those social platforms would be important as far as marketing, because it's hard for them to know 
you, if you don't have an online presence, if the social proof in and your social media presence is not there, um, it's probably highly unlikely that a millennial is going to stumble across because they're going on Instagram looking for therapists. You know, they're going to those platforms, social media, Facebook groups and things like that, seeking out therapy and seeking out treatment. They're listening to podcasts like yours, <laughs> <laughs> seeking out treatment like I was. Uh, featured on a podcast and I had an overwhelming amount of response. They were like, I listened to your podcast and I was able to receive clients from them listening to my podcast episode. And Mm -hmm. who, you know, as a therapist, we don't always think about all of the medium and platforms that are available to get access to individuals that otherwise may never, you know, knock on our door or be referred to us through their insurance or whatever the case may be. Because again, they're connected with their technology. They trust it. Now, when you need a recommendation of a plumber or someone to fix your AC or a hairstylist, where do you go online and say, in search of, you post Mm -hmm. the status. No one is, you know, going to, you know, even doing Google searches as much. You are trusting, um, other people that are in your friend circle or in your colleague circle to provide recommendations. Not only does Therapy Notes combine billing, scheduling, notes, secure messaging, group telehealth, and more into one streamlined platform, they're also always adding new features and forms to their library. So no matter your specialty, Therapy Notes has you covered. Learn more at therapynotes.com and use promo code MODERN for two months free. What are some of the stumbling blocks that you see therapists run into or see mistakes that people are making in either establishing or running an online therapy practice? Um, Great question, Kurt. I would say practicing outside of their scope uh, would be number one, like maybe practicing in another state. Uh, And that's um, something that you definitely want to review with your board, you know, the licensure board and your state and in the state that you're seeking uh, to see someone in. So understanding that Technology, you know, and the laws regarding our licensure board, they haven't quite caught up. And so a lot of it's a huge question mark. And so there is some gray area and kind of room to wiggle, but be careful with that wiggle room. And Mm -hmm. that's what I would advise a lot of therapists and practitioners is to really ensure that ethically you're practicing within your scope and ensuring that you're practicing regarding your license. Uh, A lot of people have questions about that because there is misinformation kind of circulating around about, oh, you can just practice anywhere and, you know, as long as uh, (laughs) you're licensed. And it's like, no, not really. So you want to check with your licensure board about when people move away. Um, Some states will allow you to petition them and transition which of course we don't want to just, you know, drop clients because that can be very much unethical, but you want to ensure you're practicing and taking into account your license and ethical standards based off of your profession. So adhering to those guidelines and seeking out consultation when you have questions regarding that. I think that's one of the key mistakes along with choosing uh, HIPAA compliant platforms, you know, the videos that are not 
download it or store it on a particular cloud mm-hmm. and um, ensuring that your environment is free from individuals potentially accessing that information or overhearing that information. So taking into account and having those precautions to always ensure that HIPAA and confidentiality is important. And thirdly would be uh, gaining resources. So say you're a therapist that's licensed, like for example, if I were licensed in Florida and here, I would need to be aware of the resources for my clients in Florida, crisis resources, resources to their nearest ER, resources to their crisis line. I need to avail myself and make sure that I'm well informed about resources because the reality is I'm a couple of hours away. So in the event that my client's in a crisis, what would I do? So having those plans in your informed consent would be key. So planning to, I think with telemental health, you have to plan out a lot of things in advance in the event that that occurs. So you're not on the other end of that trying to uh, scramble. And when something comes up, you already are prepared. So actually, I think you probably have to do a lot more of the leg work and even connecting with other professionals in the area to ensure that you have uh, all the bases kind of covered. Yeah, I think that the practicing across state lines, I think that there's a lot of misinformation. And I think there's also people who don't necessarily think through all those steps of making sure that you have the resources. Because, you know, actually, my husband and I were talking about this last night, like, what would it take for you to get licensed in other states? And I said, well, each state's different. Some have, you know, more reciprocity than others. And there's that kind of stuff. But it's not just getting licensed in that other state it's maintaining licensure, it's understanding the laws and making sure that you have the resources. And if you're getting licensed in a full state, like even if I have a client that moves, you know, to Northern California and I'm in Southern California, like I need to know the resources up there. They're, you know, that's six hours away, you know? (laughs) And so I think it's that piece of really being thoughtful about doing it rather than doing it haphazardly. I really liked that, the way that you described that, because I think it's, it's something where, it's so easy for us to hop on a video and talk to people or grab a phone call or that kind of stuff. But to do this really legitimately, you have to really think it through. What are your thoughts about people who are doing this in a slightly different way? So they're doing telehealth appropriately in in their state that they're licensed, and then they're calling everything else coaching and doing so in other states. Like, what do you, what do you think about that? It's one of those slippery slope things. Um, (laughs) It, you know, it can be very effective because, again, when we're talking about different populations such as millennials, they may be open to coaching. There's still a great stigma associated with counseling and therapy and mental health. Um, we're working really diligent and hard on, you know, changing the face of that. And it's still here, though. So I think a lot of um, individuals are straddling that kind of fine line with coaching and therapy and ensuring that there are separate entities and even about marketing. Mm-hmm. Because in school, I think we were just so, it was so strict. Like, I didn't think like putting up a Facebook ad or like, <laughs> that was just off limits. Like, but now, you know, of course, people are doing it, but I always take caution and what I'm promoting regarding like therapy and um, ensuring that I consult with other colleagues 
to and consult with the board to just ensure that I'm in line. And if I need to explain something, that I follow the necessary steps to ensure that that slippery slope doesn't cause me to stumble. I think that's majorly important. It's just not, like you said, setting it up and doing it like, ooh, online counseling, that sounds like a great idea. No training, no (laughs) consultation. It's just like, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to Google a few things. And as I tell everyone, I've gone through the training and I still have gone through other updates of training. And so I stay on top of the growing changes that occur because in our field it's constantly changing and we have to be aware and we're responsible for that. So we're responsible for continuing to educate ourselves and attend wonderful conferences such as Therapy Imagine to get the (laughs) cutting edge information. You know, that that responsibility is always on us. We Mm -hmm. cannot think that things we learned in grad school are going to suffice and take us on until you know we retire whenever that's going to be we have to keep on top of the education piece and informing ourselves and staying connected with colleagues because we don't know everything it's hard to keep all of the information and changes in our brain but having the right paths to connect the docs and connect the information and just really ensuring that your attending trainings can be critical Do you have any trainings that either you provide or that you would recommend for people to get a basis of how to do telemental health properly? Absolutely. I'm doing a training specifically for mental health and telehealth with millennials. So that's what I specialize with. But the one that I went to was the telehealth training through... I was trying to remember the name, but you could Google it online. It's the Telemental Health Certification Institute. That's it. So Telehealth Certification Institute, you can Google that online. And it's tele- We'll also include a link to that in our show notes. So if you're really lazy, you can just go to our website, mtsgpodcast.com for that. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's telementalhealthtraining.com. And that one is a wonderful resource. It's one of the nationwide um, resources and just continuous continuous updates on telemental health. As the states kind of catch up to technology, of course, things will continue to change. So looking at your licensure board and continuing to inform yourself. So with your training, tell me a little bit more about that, because we'll we'll also put a link to that in the show notes. I'm assuming you'll have something that's that people, because this is going to you know, people can listen to this anytime. Absolutely. So, um, so, so where can we find your training and what is your training? About? Absolutely. So millennials technology and a therapy will, I just finished up a training. So I'll be offering some new trainings online in 2019. It's almost here. So they can always go to my website and find that information about upcoming trainings. It's millennialdatingcoach.com. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, that's easy to remember instead of like Marquita Johnson. (laughs) It's really catchy. Either one actually should work, but yeah, yeah, millennialdatingcoach.com and they can definitely catch um, any of the upcoming trainings in 2019. And I'll be around at a few conferences next year speaking about integrating therapy with technology. It's always great when we 
run into modern therapists and really have the people who are pushing the envelope, creating the critical mass to create changes in the way that we go about doing our things. And for Marquita to end up at our conference was, you know, really something where I didn't, I don't know if Katie had any experience in really talking with her before we, we saw Marquita's application come in and, we were just so impressed that there's other people out there who are pushing things forward along with us. We're, we're so glad to call Marquita, one of our modern therapists, as well as all of you. And one more push for our show notes. Uh, you can find those on our website, mtsgpodcast.com. And come on out to our Therapy Reimagined 2019 conference in October 18th and 19th here in Los Angeles. And until next time, I'm Kurt Whithelm with Katie Vernoy and Marquita Johnson. Remember to check out Thryzer. They are passionate about making out-of-network therapy work for everyone. Clients save upfront on therapy while therapists earn their full rate. Get started in minutes on join.thryzer.com forward slash modern therapist and use the promo code modern therapists and receive $2,500 in waived fees for your sessions. Thanks so much to our partner, Therapy Notes, the highest rated practice management solution for behavioral health. Don't forget, using promo code MODERN gets you two free months. Thank you for listening to the Modern Therapist Survival Guide. Learn more about who we are and what we do at mtsgpodcast.com. You can also join us on Facebook and Twitter. And please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our episodes. 